0: So good to be with you this morning. So fun to see all of you um, on the plaza. Great to see you plaza people. Hey plaza, can we hear you? Oh, way to go great to see all of you as well as those of you who are online. I do know this. So I got an email this week when we were doing um, Seacoast Swag. We are We have a whole new line of clothing that we're releasing at the end of this month. And so this week, um, I got an email from Doris Shirk who, said, who gave some feedback on the last sermon and, said, oh, and how it, what it meant to her. Doris, good to see you. She's 100 years old and watches every week online. So... Doris, we're going to hook you up some really good clothes, so we're sending it your way. <laughs> so uh, so it, it's just fun to see. You know, one of the things that we love about Seacoast is we want to be a multi-generational church and, uh, because we learn from each other. We have those who are, as Katie said, more um, senior, uh, and uh, we have those who are fresher, I think are the two words that, that she said. And the beauty is that is a picture of the, the body of Christ. And when we read throughout scriptures, and every time scripture is written, it is written to a group of people very few times as a command to one individual. It's written as if that we know that we are meant to live and exist in community, and not just a, a community that's tribal with only people who think and look and do everything exactly the same, but it's written to a group of people that it's assumed that you're different. And the beauty is in, from the New Testament on, that the body of Christ is not only multi-generational; it's a multi-ethnic, multicultural existence united under Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, as Secos, our history here of 35 years and what we want to be in the future, is we want to be a, a body that is united because of Jesus, and that's what unites us in our differences. And, and when election years come up, if you have too bad, there's another one coming, but there is. And when those come, we can be a light to our community, because we can show how people who might have different perspectives on different things can love one another and instead of fighting and dividing that we can walk together in unity because we our king is Jesus. Amen? And that's who we are committed to. So I love that we can all be together and we even have the diversity today of this, of 9 a.m. people and 10.30 people. I mean, come on. Well, the 10.30 people will be here in about 10 minutes. But you... And they'll have to find seats somewhere else. But, you know, that's is the way it goes. But I, just, just to know, how many of you are normally 9 o'clock people? Raise your hand if that's your normal, that's who you are. Okay. 1030 people, look at them. Yes. Okay, now 1030, raise your hand. Yeah, you are the ones who sleep in or just have your coffee or go surfing before. But either way, it's so fun to see uh, everyone coming together for this today. Uh, What we have coming up for today is you don't have one long, normal sermon, and we've cut the sermon in half, so it'll be about 45 minutes, and then um, after that, we'll have some other things going on, but... No, we're going to have, uh, Katie's actually in a, in a little while going to have a moment just for the kids. We're going to invite all the kids up here, so not yet, but pretty soon, kids. And any of you uh, kids who, during the message or any time today, if you want to draw a picture or anything to, of something you heard, you have permission to grab that pen, that paper to write, uh, draw a picture of something, you think, oh, that's, I heard the pastor, the preacher, whatever you call those of us up here uh, say that. Uh, students, it can work for you too, whatever, so... Uh, however you guys want to do it, as you kind of process through what you're hearing today. We, we think the Word of God is for all ages, and, and so we love uh, this and what we're going to do today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a video, and um, it is a video of some two members of the congregation who predated the merger. So each one was from um, Encinitas Baptist Church that merged with Solana Beach E. V. Free Church and, um, and 35 years ago, creating Seacoast. And we know there's a couple others of you here today who uh, were there before that time as well. But so we're gonna watch that video and then we'll jump into the rest of the time with the message. So take a look at the screens.
1: We're not alone. We're not, I don't know, outliers or... That's a dramatic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, I don't feel
1: like we're. Dramatic. I'm always dramatic, but we're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lori Carr.
2: Tom Carr.
1: Uh, we came to Seacoast when I was pregnant with Anne, who is now 38.
2: And that was the uh, Salamit Ev Free Church, which was the one that merged with the Baptist Church here. My
3: name is George Hahn. And my wife, Carol, and I have attended here at Seacoast, before it was Seacoast, and we began in September 1978.
1: I mean, it was very, very exciting because um, I'd been involved with MOPS, and we needed a place to meet. So um, I contacted Mark Henning, who was pastor of this church at that time, and presented the idea of us meeting here he got very excited about mops the community and they all decided it was a great idea for us to meet here so we started meeting here and then that's a little into that mark and our elders started talking about what it would be like to merge the churches
3: uh we felt comfortable with the the teachings of the community church organization and Uh, Mark was pastor at that time and uh, we appreciated his teaching and then uh, not long after that was when uh, Rick became the pastor here and uh, have enjoyed his teaching for many years. At the time of the merge we felt very welcome. It was wonderful.
1: It really was. Yeah,
2: It really was and there were a lot of really cool, solid older Christians mm-hmm. who really welcomed us in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then for us too, then there were a lot of babies without <laughs> fellowship. So there was a place for them to be.
1: That was thrilling. Yeah. That was thrilling.
2: We wanted a place where we could. Partner with God and seeing people grow and Seacoast was a place that really welcomed that they welcomed us. us. Yeah And so my recollection is just lots of wonderful times
3: with people talking about the Lord and spiritual things and growing together and During that time uh, Was involved with uh, uh, the tutoring program um, I'm not a trained teacher, but was teaching a uh, math and English, predominantly to the Hispanic children in the community. Did that for six years. Um,
1: They gave us lots of opportunities to use our gifts and for us to learn about our gifts. We were pretty young at the time and to try new things. We tried that Genesis 2 Sunday school class that was wonderful and there was another couple that had the gift of administration. They helped us and it was an amazing experience.
3: We had become involved with the international program, and that's the international students attending UC San Diego. During the holidays, uh, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, uh, invite them to our home, uh, to, to the home of the host family, and uh, all of them we've invited. Many have joined us at church. Their general reaction is, uh that wasn't even close to what i thought it would be one of one of the students go well i may disagree with your pastor but i really enjoyed his message (laughs) and uh so it was a good good time to um gave opportunity to to easily share our faith with all these young people
1: Yeah, I went through several different things and uh, was on zero, on E, and I didn't even want to come to church anymore. Church had become a dangerous place right after we told you how great it is. Um, but there had been some things that had happened that had been pretty hard. and. Um, I couldn't come to church anymore and Tom was an elder
2: yeah I was on the elder board at the time and my wife literally <laughs> couldn't go into the sanctuary without just kind of
1: I would cry Fear,
2: yeah anxiety
1: yeah, I would have and, a lot of anxiety
2: and so the elders saw what was going on I was on the board at the time and they kind of said okay you guys you're taking a sabbatical you're stopping we're gonna bring some people around you guys to help you walk through this.
1: I had a few girls that I would walk with every week and it would only be about me, which was very awkward cuz that was a new thing for me. <laughs>
2: but I think through that time we saw seacoast love us.
1: Yeah. In we a way felt that so was loved. beyond
2: just the how you doing and, you know, uh, good to hear that your kids are doing well, but it was more they saw our stuff, you know, yeah. up close and personal. And uh, we're just a big force in helping us move through it.
1: And I think that's the hallmark of Seacoast.
3: And one that I especially found valuable was the teaching period uh, that what God provides is enough. And um, I think one of the lessons I've learned over the years too is the importance of God's providence not only in what He directs us to, but what He protects us from. And Carol and I can look at um, easily a dozen occurrences in our life There were just areas where God's providence held us back from something.
2: I mean, my perception is God's doing a renewal at Seacoast. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's a kind of an energizing thing.
1: Yes, it's life-giving.
2: That the community of Encinitas is going to benefit from Seacoast. Yeah. And we're going to see more lives changed and renewed. And I love that we're a place for the lost and wandering. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the group to minister to the Lost and Wandering. And so
1: that gets us excited. Yeah,
2: I think it's really cool.
1: It's exciting to see young people loving Jesus and wanna grow and uh, care. I'm loving it. Uh,
3: I think that Seacoast is a real beacon in the community. And if we can let the light that's coming from here shine on many others, uh, we would really expand our ministry. Seacoast members and visitors, happy 35th. Seacoast has been a lighthouse in Encinitas, and we pray it'll continue to be an even brighter lighthouse.
1: Happy Happy 35th, Seacoast. Seacoast, yay.
3: We are excited to be here. Yes,
1: and we're excited you're here.
0: Thank you so much for uh, sharing and and for those who, uh, who, for the whole month of August, just hearing stories. There are many more stories and there's many other things. If we all were able to share, it would be amazing and we hope to continue to hear stories throughout the year. But uh, it's such a blessing to me again, as we've talked about during this 35th, is to know that I'm walking into something. I've been here 11 years now. It's hard to believe that. I was uh, 22 when I started. And uh, so... uh, (laughs) and been here 11 years, but I was walking into something that had already been going on for 24 years. And and stories of God's faithfulness and story of a community of people who love each other well. Uh, It has been so fun to step into that and and to be a part of it. And uh, so I love that we can do this today. And just a reminder today, when we are done, our men's ministry have some, they've been cooking ribs and chicken and big old trays of mac and cheese. I mean, come on. This is, it's a birthday, so you can eat. It doesn't matter. It's a cheat day, but um, we'd love to invite you to that afterwards. Um, so it's just fun to even be able to eat together, to have a meal together, and have an excuse to wear shorts while you preach. It's a, it's a biblical thing. It's okay. So um, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus 34. We're going to be there for a few minutes, and then uh, we'll transition to a time with the kids, and you're actually going to hear from one of our students here today as well. But Exodus 34, this is a, a time in the story of the family of God called Israel. And, and the reason we've been kind of looking at some of Israel's stories, because God, remember, invites, he wants to be um, our God. He wants to have a people in a place under his roof presence or under his rule. And so the story of scripture, we've seen that God calls a people to be his own. He puts them in a place to reflect his glory then to the ends of the earth and under his rule. And it started with Israel and now in New Testament era for us is it's Jesus. under Jesus he unites us into a new type of family that is family of God in his place which is to the ends of the earth and under his rule. Now here's what's happening in Exodus 34. The Israelites came out of, they were in slavery in Egypt. They came out of it. They're now wandering in the desert. Uh, they have a season of 40 years essentially where they're walking in the desert. They're camping out right now in a place called Mount Sinai where they camped there for about a year. And in that time, Moses, who was their leader, would go to the top of this mountain and they'd see the presence of God and in, in the clouds and lightning and things like that. No one else could even touch the mountain. But it was, Moses was, communicating with God who led them out. He gave them them what we know of as the Ten Commandments and and, and the first ones actually talk about you shall have no other gods before you and so Moses instructs the people, hey, this is how we begin. This is how we organize ourselves as the people of God in this new land and the very next thing we hear after he instructed them and told them we'll have no other gods, Moses goes back on the mountain and while he is there, the people of God, Israel, looks at each other and says, well, Moses is gone. Now who's going to lead us? Who is our God? And Aaron, who was kind of Moses' right-hand man, he was the priest, he said, well, uh, melt down all of your, give me all of your jewelry. We'll make some gods. Literally, right after God led them out of Egypt, miraculously provided for them in the desert, gave them food miraculously, gave them water miraculously, walked through the dead or the Red Sea, saw all of these miracles, and, they, and Moses said, "This is our God. I'm going to communicate with Him." The rest of them are like, "Well, Moses is gone. Now what? Golden calves? Okay, that works. That soon." Moses is back on the mountain, and God says to Moses, hey, um, those people <laughs> that you're leading are uh, worshiping golden calves now. They've already forgot about me, so stand beside Moses. I'm going to just destroy them. Let's start over. Great moment in history, right? Moses pleads with them and says, God, if you do, let's not do that. We'll give them another chance. He goes back down says, alright guys, he has this little come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and Then says, okay, I'm going to go back now. And he then Exodus 34, they've kind of been confronted with their idolatry. He's back on the mountain where God has instructed him to, okay, I I want you to lead your people. I'm going to rewrite these 10 commandments. And I'm going to lead you into the promised land. But right before 34, Moses says this, we will go with you, or we will go into the promised land, We'll do what you say, but we need to know you're with us. Because if you're not with us, we, we can't do it. If, if we don't think you're present, and we don't really know who you are, then I, I'm not going. And it's this great moment that I think all of us can think of in our lives when God calls us to a point of faith, even as individuals, as a family, as a church. The big question is, God, if you're with me, and I know it, then I'm in. But I I would just want to know, and I love the kind of very human moment of that because Moses saw some pretty cool things already. He saw the presence of God. And yet he said, I just want to know you'll be with us. And if you are, then we'll go. And I want to know who is it who's sending us. Let me know more about who you are. In fact, he says, show me your glory. Show me your actual character. And in in chapter 34, this is where God says, okay Moses, I want you to know, he actually ends 33 by saying, I will do this thing of which you've spoken, for you found favor in my sight, and I've known you by name. So, or that's what Moses said, and then he said, so God, show me your glory, and God says, I agree, I will do this. So verse 30, or chapter 34 now, Moses goes back on the mountain, and he said, and God is going to reveal who he is to him. He's going to reveal his name, and names carry a lot of power in the Old Testament. Names today don't carry as much power. Some of you maybe have names that help shape your identity, you know, when you name your kid. And, and when we name kids now, this is how we did it in my family. We think, we like this name, how will it sound on the playground if we name him that? What will the other kids say to him? But because we're a generation earlier, if we were a millennial, we would name him anything and be like, that sounds cool, you're Podium. So Podium, whatever. Come on, that's true, right? It's true, it's all good. But you'd think through, what will this name, What is this a powerful name? Is this a playful name? And these are the things we think of. In the Old Testament, names carry, this is who you are. And so we're gonna see now in Exodus 34, God is going to say his whole name, his character to Moses, and pick it up here in verse five. And it says this, that God... Then The Lord came down in a cloud and stood with Moses and proclaimed his name. And the Lord passed in front of Moses and proclaimed, "The the The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing, the violation of his law and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting punishment on the fathers and children on their grandchildren to the third and fourth generations so it starts pretty good and it kind of takes a turn right (laughs) but in it so God is revealing several aspects of who he is in his name he says this is my name and it's this long sentence and I want to show you some of the things that he proclaimed as his name. He started off with his name, Yahweh, uh, which is this almost unknowable name. And, and even in the Jewish faith, they won't pronounce that to this day. But it's the Creator God, the Great I Am, the one who comes before all, who is all, and will exist much uh, for eternity. And then he gives, he says, I am compassionate and gracious. We're going to build all these on the screen for you. Slow to anger filled with loyal love, or in in some translations, it might say abounding in love. It might say merciful. This is the word hesed. We have loyal love and faithfulness, and then there's that paragraph. He keeps his faithfulness for thousands. I want you to know that thousands. This is a Hebraic way of saying forever. I will continue to be faithful. I'll continue to be this for all the generations, I forgive wrongdoing, violations of law, all of those, but no, by no means will leave the guilty unpunished. So this would be that he is also just. So know that he's forgiving, and he'll forgive your wrongdoings, a violation of law, all of that, but he's a God of justice. And, and so when he says that inflicting punishment, that's not that picture often we have of the Old Testament where God's like, I'm gonna destroy you. But it's actually this picture of this notice this compassionate, gracious God who is slow to anger. Can you imagine you're the Israelites who just made golden calves after he led you out? You know what you're expecting? To be destroyed. But he says that I'm just. And notice this. When he says, you'll experience the punishment, means that you're gonna, there's consequences to actions sometimes. And he says, to the third and fourth generation. Essentially what this is saying is, this is relating to when in your lifetime, normally you're living in about three or four generations at a time. So he's saying, I'm a just God, and this relates to this generation who hears me now. But notice before, what does he say? But know that I am faithful for how long? Thousands of generations. So what I wanna do is in the next three minutes is double click on this word today as faithful. Because we can understand compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and he's loving and he's just, but faithful kinda anchors a lot of this. And we've been talking about great is God's faithfulness. Now in Hebrew this word faithful is actually related and the same as the word truth. And we translate it faithful or it is trustworthy or steady. It is something that doesn't change based on the circumstances. And so this picture of God, and by the way, this same paragraph is repeated in scripture about 20 times. It's known as this whole paragraph is this is God's name. And anchoring in the middle of it is he is faithful. He is faithful. It's the word emet. It's actually the root of where we get our word amen, meaning let this be true. And so when God is, he is faithful, he's trustworthy, he's steady. Actually, this in verb form, it, it, we use it as to trust or to believe. Faithfulness. And we see it all over. We see that David walked in faithfulness before God, or he walked in truth. In Romans chapter 15, it says Jesus comes on behalf of God's faithfulness, or his steadiness with us. So we see again that God's faithfulness means that he, we can trust who he is even when things seem to be out of control. Think of the history of your own life. We all have ups and downs. We all have things that happen that you think, I didn't see that coming. If you haven't, you will. You'll have times when you're gonna question and wonder, God, are you, are you there? Do you love me? Are you following? Are you uh, caring for me? There's times when you may have doubts. There's times when you're gonna face health issues and you say, Lord, are are you present? There's times when we go through things even as a church, ups and downs and ins and outs. It's part of the cycle of life. And yet, if we are to be, uh, if we are to exist for another 35 years as a church, we wanna anchor it on the one truth and it's God is faithful. Meaning when we are not steady, He is when we have our ups and downs, that he remains and we can count on him and we can trust him. And there are days when you're not gonna feel that. I promise you, you're not gonna feel it. In the last several years, starting with COVID, that tested us as a leadership team often. When we think, Lord, are you can help us through this. And sometimes when you're in it, all you can say is, Lord, I know that you're faithful, but right now, I don't know if I feel that. But I'm going to lean on it. And then at the other side, you look back and say, Oh, you did it again. You did it again. You always do. And that's why we're part of community. Because there's times you're going to need someone next to you to point you back to the truth that God is still in control. Because there's days you're not going to believe that, you're not going to feel it. That's why we're a church, that's why we're here together. The days when you say, God, everything feels out of control, you're going to have a community of people who say, I know, we get it. But believe me, he is still faithful. And we're going to encourage each other through it all. And Lord willing, more and more who do not yet know the love of our Lord Jesus Christ will meet him through you and through me and through one another as the Spirit works. Because we believe that God is faithful to his promises. He is not going back on them. And he wants to fulfill his mission of reaching as many as possible to know him and to walk with him. The people in Encinitas and North San Diego and to the ends of the earth, our God has a heart for them. He is faithful and always will be. Even when we are not, he remains true. That's what we believe. I'm going to ask you to do something here in in just... Uh, a moment we're going to have the kids coming up in a moment I want to read a couple things from you this is actually from Daryl and Marvel guests who were here before the merger they've been a part of Seacoast for a long time and uh, wrote an email thinking they weren't going to be here today but they were able to make it anyway but I just thought some of this I was so uh, encouraged to hear some of their history as they are talking they said we were part of Solana Beach EV Free Church we are with the Mayat since 1982. And 90, 1988 was such an exciting time when the, church mer- when the merge of the churches occurred. There was tons of unknowns, but God really guided and gave so much wisdom to the leaders, the elders, and the newly unified congregation. Uh, Marvel was very involved with the moms, and I got involved in the worship team. And one of the things that most might not realize is when, we merged, when the merged church got started, The worship gathering was actually in a different direction. As you probably know, there was a stage on this end over here in the north end of the building. A second story sound booth over here. And one of the first things they did is to move the church into a more intimate gathering. So that was done almost 30 years ago. It was a time of change when hymns and choruses and many congregations became segregated because of different worship. But Seacoast worked very hard to offend everyone equally. (laughs) And that made a big difference in my honest opinion. (laughs) We're very pleased to be with the church in the early days, and we're eager to see what God will be doing in Seacoast in the years to come. I love hearing stories of that because there's context and history. There's this, yeah, there was hard times, but God was faithful. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the kids to come up in just a moment. And on your seats, when you came in, as well as outside, you saw a prayer card. It said, my prayer for Seacoast for the next 35 years. And there should be pens on your seats or around you. And what we want you to do is actually write out a prayer for Seacoast for the next 35 years. If you're a guest here with us today, you can do this too. We would love to hear your prayers and also give us your contact information and we'll get back to you. We'd love to meet you if, if you're a guest. But write those prayer cards, and when we're done with the service today, we're going to drop them in bins on the way out, and uh, we're going to have a display of all of your prayers in the uh, next in the following weeks. But so I'm going to invite Katie up and the kids. If you want to come up to sit on the rugs up here. The rest of us, write out your prayers. Kids, you're welcome to write out prayers too for your prayers for the next 35. Kids, start making your way up here to the carpet. And um, parents, we will guard the doors so your kids will be stuck inside here. So if you want to help them come up, we'll make sure they stay in. But come on up and Katie will teach you in just a moment here. So write your prayers.
4: I don't really want to interrupt, but the kids are ready. So for any of you kids who didn't come up, we're going to be doing a little trash or treasure review of the Old Testament, which they are very excited about. And maybe we'll even have a couple of the parents' adults play. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get a couple of you guys in here. So for you guys who are not part of kids' ministry, we have been going through the Old Testament for almost a year now, I think. And as we've been going through the Old Testament, just as Ryan was talking about, we've learned a lot about how God continues to be faithful. So we like to play a game called Trash or Treasure in kids' ministry, where I do like a review or a recap, and if someone gets it right, they get to come up and they choose from one of these two buckets. In one of the buckets, is a Bible Buck, which is very exciting. In another bucket is a piece of trash, like this ripped off part of a cardboard box for Pirate's Booty. So, that is what we're gonna be doing today, and we're going to recap how God has been faithful, as we've been learning about in the Old Testament. Hopefully, it's a nice reminder for some of you guys, too. Okay, you all know what question I ask first when it comes to trash or treasure. (laughs) Do you know what I'm about to ask? The whole Old Testament, finish my question. The whole Old Testament is about one country, God working with one country, one nation, and that nation is? Say it loud. Israel. Israel. Come on up, you can to play trash or treasure. Yeah, the whole Old Testament is God working with one nation that he brings together called Israel. Okay, my dear, you're going to play for a Costco return receipt. Don't buy the wrong size diaper, folks. It is not fun to return things at Costco. And five Bible bucks. Okay, so the whole Old Testament's about Israel. And in Genesis, when it starts, does it start really good or really bad? At the very, very beginning. Very, very beginning. Very beginning. Thumbs up, guys. (laughs) It starts really good, but you're right. Pretty quickly, how does it turn? Pretty quickly, it turns bad. So we're asking this question, man, how is God gonna make things right? Because sin's in the world now. All right, all right. Pick a bucket. Ooh, you got it right, my dear. You got five Bible books. Nicely done. Yeah, so in Genesis, it starts good, but then it goes bad, and things keep getting worse and worse. Until we, God do see, we see God do something pretty incredible. He makes a promise to one man, and he says, you're going to be the father of all of Israel, and I'm going to bring a savior from you. Wyatt, you raised your hand first. Who is the one man that God chooses to be the father of all of Israel? Do you know his name? Father, hmm, hmm, hmm. Had many sons. It's not Noah. <laughs> that was a good guess. Do you want to try It's not Moses. Moses doesn't show up yet. You guys don't know the father, hmm, hmm, hmm. Had many sons. Joey. Abraham, get on up here, Joey. Get on up here, Joey. Yes, Abraham. So the rest of the book of Genesis is about God growing Abraham's family. And it gets bigger and bigger. All right, Joey, we have a coffee filter here for you. Oh, no, wait, we still got our Costco receipt. You're playing for a Costco receipt. So that's the rest of the book of Genesis is God growing Abraham's family bigger and bigger until they're the nation of Israel. So then we get to the book of Exodus. And remember, in Exodus, they're slaves, right? Which is not good. It's not what we want to see. Do, do, do. Make sure the camera isn't on showing anything. These kids are sneaky. Pick a bucket. This one? Congratulations, you get to return diapers to Costco! (laughs) Nicely done. So in Exodus, Israel's really big, but the problem is they're slaves. They're slaves in the land of Egypt, right? Yeah, boo. That's not good. So they cry out to God, and they say, God, would you remember us? You said that you were going to be our God. And does God remember him? Yes, he frees him from slavery, right? And who does he use to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery? Yeah, get on up here, Emma. He uses Moses. So Moses is the man that God uses. And in Exodus, we see God do all these miracles that we call plagues. And he miraculously frees them from slavery, which is really exciting, Right? And that's a really big part of Israel's history. Okay, my dear. You can either brew coffee for your parents, like the sweet, sweet girl you are, or, spend five Bible bucks. Which bucket? This one? Coffee. Well done, she gets five Bible bucks. Nice job. It's always very exciting for them. Okay, so in Exodus, God does all those miracles, and now they're free, right? So they're not slaves anymore, and they get the laws that they're supposed to follow because God wants to take them to a certain land. Where is it that God wants to take them to? Oh, i I know you've got it. I know you said it before. Okay, the Promised Land. Get on up here, Eli. Okay, for a bonus, who remembers the real name of the promised land? Do you remember? No. No, you don't? Eli, you can come up. We're going to play. Cora. Yeah, the land of Canaan. We'll get you in here in a second. So, yeah, in Exodus, they get all the laws they're supposed to follow. Because remember, everything went wrong, but now God is doing things to make it Right? He's saying, I will be your God. You just have to follow me. What do you guys think? Do you think Israel follows those laws perfectly? No, we're going to keep looking at that. Okay, Eli. What do you think? This one? You guys are on a roll. You're going to bankrupt me here. You're choosing the the right buckets. Okay, so they get the laws. They're supposed to go into the Promised Land, but then remember we learned about in the Book of Numbers? Did they go into the Promised Land right away? No. no, no. no. What happened? Right, they, they didn't want to go in because they got scared. And they had to stay in the desert for 40 years. That's what happens in the Book of Numbers. Did they remember all the miracles that God had done to free them from slavery? No. No. Had they seen everything God had done? Yeah. Did they see God be faithful to them? Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. They forgot. Come on up here. Cora, I owe you one, too. I'll get you up here. So in the book of Numbers, they wander in the wilderness. For how long did you say? 40 years, people. 40 years. Okay. Coffee filter. And God, no, I'll save that till later. So God says, all you parents, this first generation, you don't get to go into the promised land. Who went into the promised land instead? You can just shout it out. Their kids, their kids went into the promised land in the book of, well, they're the ones who get prepped in the book of Numbers. All right, what do you got? This one or this one? this one girl see it's more exciting when they keep picking the trash (laughs) is there like a camera back here or something you guys can see what's going on so after the book of numbers their children finally get to go into the promised land in the book of Joshua remember the book of Joshua things are going good right do they make it in the promised land what's that (laughs) yeah they do they make it into the promised land in the book of Joshua and God is he doing miracles for them in the book of Joshua yeah he's doing crazy miracles remember he parted the river the walls of Jericho we learned about that all came crumbling down so again God is showing that he will be faithful to them if they believe in him but remember they were supposed to get everybody out of the land in Joshua did they do that no, at the end of Joshua, they don't. They don't get everybody out of the land. And that sets up the book of Judges. OK, the book of Judges, we talked about this one. See how it's a circle right here? It's like a symbol circle. This one's kind of hard. I've got a really big Bible book. If anyone can remember the thing that happens over and over and over again in the book of Judges. Cora, since I didn't get you yet, do you remember what happens over and over and over again in the book of Judges? Can I unmute this mic? Okay.
5: So, so they disobey God. Okay. And then, and then God punishes them. God punishes and then, them. Yeah. And then they're like, "Help! We need help!" And so God sends a judge to help them. Yep. And when the judge dies, and there's and they're naughty again. And then. And then it and happens then over all over, and over and again, over and right? And
4: over and Cora, over. get up here. You are playing for twenty Bible books. Yeah, that's the book of Judges. Even though God keeps showing up to rescue them, when they cry out, when that judge dies, they just turn right back to, as Cora said, being naughty. But they turn back to following false gods. Now, Cora, let me ask you. If you had mm, a hamster and you kept telling the hamster, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And it just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. Would you finally be like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this hamster. Might you feel that way? Well, you're a good hamster owner. But sometimes... (laughs) I actually do want a hamster. All right. Take note, Matt and Kim. (laughs) But you would think that God, after seeing his people over and over and over again disobey, that he would give up. But did God ever give up on his people? No, he kept sending judges, right? So it's, again, a book of the Old Testament where we see, man, God continues to be faithful to his people. All right, Cora, this is a big one. And I don't know if you're going to be excited if you get a coffee filter instead of 20 Bible bucks. But let's see. Girl, you just got 20 Bible bucks.
6: <laughs>
4: All right, to finish off, what's the book of the Bible we've been in for like the past month? Who remembers? Just shout it out. Samuel. Which Samuel? The first one or the second one? The Why would we be in second Samuel before first Samuel? <laughs> we've been in first Samuel. <laughs> this past month, we've been in first Samuel. And remember, did Israel have a king before this time? No. No, they'd never had a king. And they thought the reason things keep going wrong is because we don't have a... King. So they went to Samuel and they say, we want God to give us a... King. But was that really what they needed? No. What was the problem? What did they really need? Eli. They needed God. They just needed to trust him and follow him. So that's what we've been learning about the past couple of weeks. And today, our story would have been about David and Goliath. And when David went out to fight Goliath, I'm sure a lot of you know this story, guess what he was probably thinking about? Do you think he was thinking about how God sent judges to rescue them? And I think he might have been. And how God helped them get into the land, and how God provided for them in the wilderness, and how God rescued them from Egypt? I think when David went to fight Goliath, he was remembering just how powerful and faithful God truly is. And that's what I think I want you guys to remember today, and me. There are times in life where I think, I don't know if I can get through this, whether it's a hard time, or I see a friend who's having a hard time. And what might be helpful for me to remember? What do you think? Yeah, Jesus, that's always the answer. Do you think it would help me if I remembered all the ways God was faithful to his people in the Bible? Yeah, and here's the other thing. No, I forgot the other thing, I got mom brain. I know I had two things, but I think I'm settling on one. You guys did amazing, I'm very proud of you all. Give yourselves a round of applause. And we're going to finish up here in just a second. I just want to invite you guys. So this is what we do on Sundays. We've got Kids Church for our first through fourth graders. And I teach the lesson. And we've been going through the Old Testament. And we'll do fun things to learn exactly like we said, how God has been faithful. How we can look at the Bible and see, man, God never fails to show up for his people and for his children. And I want to invite you to join us. This, yes, is kind of a plug for people volunteering in kids ministry, but it also is just a sweet way. We need people to come make kids feel safe, bring them upstairs. I'll teach about the Old Testament, and then parents come and pick them up. It's a really sweet thing that we do on Sundays, and if you want to be a part of it, if you also want to be part of learning about the Old Testament and everything, I just invite you to reach out to us about stepping into kids ministry because we do want to keep reminding the next generation who is faithful. Guys, who's faithful? Over and over and over. God. Who? God. Who? God. That's right. God is faithful over and over and over. Jesus and God. Who is God? Right? So We invite you to join us in kids' ministry. We invite you to continue celebrating God's faithfulness, not just to Seacoast for 35 years, but since the very beginning. That's what we see in Scripture. From the very start, God has been faithful, faithful to love his people, even when they don't deserve it. And I know I need to remember that sometimes, right? Yes. All right, you guys are dismissed to go back to your parents. Thank you for playing Trash or Treasure.
7: My name is Josh. I'm the youth pastor here at Seacoast, and um, I get the pleasure of introducing my friend Braden Haynes here.
5: What's up, Seacoast?
7: Um, Braden's fiery this morning. All right. Hey, so as I think about God's faithfulness, and forgive me if someone's already shared this verse this morning, but my job is part youth pastor, part herding cat, so I've had a few distractions, but... Uh, As I think about God's faithfulness, especially in context of our youth ministry, I think of Psalm 119.90 where it says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations, and you have established the earth, and it stands fast. And just the blessing that I have working with the youth firsthand, just seeing God's faithfulness working in this generation, raising up a group of young people whose hearts are on fire for Jesus and who are standing strong for the gospel and who are not going to bend or bow down to any other God. And uh, it's a blessing. And with that, just again, in light of God's faithfulness and celebrating that, his 35 years, and I am confident another 35 and another 35 and another 35 until the Lord brings us all home. I want to introduce you to my friend Braden Haynes. He's going to share a little bit about how God's faithfulness has been um, just working in his own life. So,
5: Yeah, so... um... I've been raised in a Christian home. I'm dedicated my life to Christ at a young age, around age six. And it was at a place called Awana's, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. But um, ever since then, because I was so young, I felt that my relationship towards God was kind of just on the steady path. I was never really putting in the effort to grow. I loved God, but I never really, something was missing, right? And it was until four months ago, I was out surfing D Street, some of you guys might know me, I love surfing. It's one of my passions. I was surfing D Street with all my buddies, and I caught this one wave. I wasn't having that good of a session. Waves weren't coming my way. Um, But I caught this wave, pumped down the line, and the goal was to do an air reverse, which is a frontside 360 in the air. And as I landed, I landed on my ankle weird, and it popped and cracked. And I knew it wasn't good. Um, So I had to go in after that. And it was really rocky on the beach, so I had to kind of like shimmy my way up the rocks. And then my friend Jack helped me up the stairs. And as I made it home, I was icing my foot because I knew the swelling was gonna get bad, Um, and I stared at the wall. I was I was pretty in in a lot of pain, like I was really sad, really bummed that that just happened because I knew there was swell coming the next few days. And I was like, my (laughs) my friends were texting me, and they're like, "Yeah, Brayden, you're gonna be able to surf," and I was like, "Definitely not gonna be able to surf." Um, But anyways, I was icing my foot and I stared at the wall, and I said these exact words: "I'm like, now I can't do the thing I love most in life," and I think there's this Bible verse that jumps out to me. I didn't know it at the time, but I found it out recently, and it's John thirteen seven, and it says, it's Jesus speaking, and he says, you don't realize what I'm doing, but afterwards you'll understand. And I think a lot of us are going to go through these moments in life where you just don't understand what's going on, but afterwards you'll look back, like Ryan said, and you'll just completely understand it, fully makes sense. And there's another verse, Romans eight twenty eight, where it says, for, for we know that all things work together for the good to those that love him and for that are called according to his purpose. So I think it's pretty cool. Whatever you're going through, eventually it's gonna work out for the good. Um, and that's what happened. The last four months of my life, I've just been crazy. I've grown a lot more in my entire life in the last four months than in really in the last 10 years that I've been focusing on God. Um, and I went up to Hume Lake Christian summer Camps. It's a week long. I know some of these people over here went with me, but it was one of the best weeks of my life. I grew so clo- so much closer to God and a lot of us came back down the mountain just wanting to rededicate our lives to Christ. And I talked to my buddy, Morgan, and we worked it out. We decided we are going to get baptized together. So we both got baptized at Seaside. Josh and my dad baptized me. And it was one of my like most special moments in my life. Um, and ever since then, I've had this fire and this thirst to read my Bible and want to pray and just dedicate my life to Christ. And I never felt that before. I never wanted to read my Bible. I just felt like I was reading this empty book, that I just didn't get anything out of it, because I've never been a good reader. But ever since then, I've just come across these scriptures that have just, like, spoke to me. Like, in certain life scenarios, it's just like, I don't know, I can relate to them in so many different ways. Um, and there's this one verse, right? So I've kind of lived my life. I got a taste. I went to SDA. I got a taste of the world, and it wasn't fulfilling. And there's this Bible verse that I came across. Out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's one verse that just, like, really opened up my eyes, and it's Matthew 16, 26, and it says, For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul. And I think that's a crazy verse because it gives you an eternal perspective that none of us are going to die. We're either going to one of two places, and that's a scary thought, but I think it's an important thought to think through. And just the way you spend your life here has a huge impact on where we're going to spend those one or two places. Um, So yeah, and that verse just opened up my eyes and made me not really want to live for the world anymore and just focus my life for Christ. So yeah, that's pretty much what I have to have. And the last thing I wanted to say, is if there's anyone out here, I know we all have our struggles, but what's that thing in your life that's hindering that relationship with God? Because it can get in the way, and it's, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's just a delete of Instagram that just saves you like 10 hours worth of your day. You can just grow. And that's, that's what it was for me. I just deleted Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok, and now I'm, now I'm growing, you know? So Sometimes... <laughs>
7: Lord, we just lift up Brayden to you and all the youth of our church. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would keep your hand on him, that you would guide his steps. Lord, we're so blessed by him and so many other of our young people. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank oh, goodness. Thanks, Brayden.